Hey, Your Honor, can you take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? Your Honor, can you take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? I did it for the land of the brave, home of the free. Boss the one who's more patriotic than me. Your Honor, listen to me. Can you come and take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? Label me a white supremacist for asking questions. I get it. Demonize and silence me because you notice I pay attention. Telling only half the story, ignoring my real intentions. We ain't stumped no capital. We were simply paying a visit. If America was a building, then it was burning. Burning and blazing, I try to save it. I'd run inside and pull out my neighbors. Don't it sound crazy? That's some crazy, cause on January, that was the reason. These politicians committing treason, we came to cease it. Your Honor, can you take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? Your Honor, can you take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? I did it for the land of the brave, home of the free. Boss the one who's more patriotic than me. Your Honor, listen to me. Can you come and take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? Hey. Free all my justice. We marching to the capital while singing Star Spangled Banner. Take my race or take my life. Under if I gotta fight, so it don't matter. Oh, say, can you see by them dawns early lights? Dawns early lights, what's so proudly we held At the twilight's last gleaming We want freedom! We want freedom! We want peace! That pepper spray tastes like chicken! You need to get you some gear. Get a hoodie, hat, t-shirt, coffee mugs, any type of drinkware, really. They even have tumblers that say, I prefer some keck in my kofefi. But all sorts of Sing for Freedom merchandise decals for the windows of your car. That way you can show everybody around you that you believe in America, that you believe in freedom, and that you're willing to stand up and speak out and fight for American values to protect our children, to stand up for those that are being politically persecuted. And you can also snub your nose at the branded administration and say, enough is enough, old man. This is our country, and we are not going to take it. We will not comply. We do not consent because we, the people, are making patriotism sexy again. All sorts of sizes, styles colors, anything that you're looking for, p2pprinting.com, forward slash pie in on, P-I-A-N-O-N, P2P printing, that's P like Patriot, the number two, P like Patriot again, printing.com, that's where we go for all of our merch, and every bit of it goes to help keep what we're doing alive, Freedom Unchained, being a thorn in the establishment, getting the truth and the information, the people's stories out there away from the mainstream, lamestream talking heads on TV, as well as getting America to sing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m. because it has become a national campaign, making an international difference, standing up for freedom and singing on behalf of those that are being politically persecuted and telling the branded administration where they can stick it. So go check out p2pprinting.com forward slash pineon or just click on the link in the description box. Take you directly to my page on their website and get your gear. You know you can make it look good. As uh, always, we are going to dive into everything J6. Got a couple special guests today. Um, don't want to spoil it, but I'm telling you now, you will not be disappointed. But to move into the meat and potatoes of today, I'm going to bring in my uh, first guest for the day, who is retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Green Beret, 
and uh, also a constitutional attorney who has been an absolute fire starter in the J6 investigations, um, bringing up every possible thing that he can to speak truth to power. And he has absolutely no qualms about ruffling some feathers. I want to bring in uh, my special guest, Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Brakelin. How you doing there, bud? Hey, what's going on, Joseph? Doing well. Thank you for having me on again. Hopefully we have a little bit of time for me to explain uh, some of my updates on the investigation that I've been doing into the Capitol Police Board and subsequently upstream from that, the leadership of the House and Senate, particularly on January 6th, and then those involved in the subsequent cover-up of January 6th. Well, I don't think anybody means- else, just before we go in, I really don't think anybody else has actually done the deep dive into the actual epicenter of the problem. And whether you like them or not, whether it's John Solomon with Just the News, haven't done the deep dive. Whether it's Julie Kelly, uh, she hasn't focused in on the Capitol Police Board. Uh, whether it's uh, Joe Hanneman at Epoch Times. No one has done the deep dive necessary analysis on the key players that made the decisions to criminalize all J6 defendants and then scrutinize all their decisions and actions and communications in the run-up to January 6th, on January 6th, and subsequent after January 6th, and all of their interactions with the J6 committee, the DOJ, the U.S. Attorney's Office, FBI, etc. That is literally my individual focus. Now, when somebody of a bigger name than me starts to go into that level of scrutiny and deep dive, I can move on to the next thing. But until then, I'm continuing on with my investigation into the legislative branch and their legal authority and how they outmaneuver. Some people call it outmaneuvering. That's what Chris Miller says by Pelosi. Uh, it's I think at this point I've put together all the evidence necessary to, to show with almost certainty with a high level of confidence that January 6th was in fact a Fed surrection coup. And we can go into the kind of how they did that through the parliamentary and Capitol Police Board mechanisms and discretionary power that they had to do so. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you have been nonstop. Uh, very relentless in in pursuing the truth when it comes to January 6th. And myself and I know many others are extremely grateful uh, for the work that you've been doing. You know, your argument against the 1512 about there being no quorum, um, I I tout that quite a bit, you know, and, uh, you know, many other things as well. And you have no problem speaking truth to power directly to them, um, including, uh, you know, your videos to Jim Jordan and even the uh, the lady that went to testify on behalf of Big Pharma. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite moments of yours where you uh, shook oh, your fa- hands. Failed CDC director. Yeah. Rochelle yeah. Walensky, acting fake, failed CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a clip of that I was going to show because um, I've I probably watched it 30 times and it makes me laugh can, every can single we, time. Can we hold off on that until the end? Because I, I want to. If it's all right, because I want to jump into some of the more kind of the Capitol Police Board stuff, because what I'm going to talk about really applies to every single J6 defendant. So if you can clip out the following, what I'm going to say, and essentially share it amongst all J6 defendants, attorneys, any member of Congress, basically anybody in the fight, 
in order for them to understand how to actually retract all of the criminalization is through the political legislative solution and i'll explain why so here here we go so on january 6th people conducted activities on the capitol grounds right and you have the capitol police board is created by a statute under title two of the united states code and it goes into all the details of who's on the board who has responsibility jurisdiction who appoints the board etc so in that framework they created a separate law enforcement entity that is essentially owned and directed by the Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader. Okay, They're the ones that control and decide how basically people are criminalized and what they're going to do uh, as it relates to defendants. So what does that mean? On January 6th, if there was a transgression that was committed or an alleged transgression or, a, or an activity that the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader wanted to criminalize, this is how they would have done it. And I'm not saying that this is what happened. Other people are saying that this is what happened. And I'll tell you who it was once I kind of lay it out. So on January 6th, you have... I mean, you, you can basically take everything as being true on every other argument that's being made both left and right and within the criminal DOJ. It still doesn't change what I'm going to explain as far as it goes with the Capitol Police Board. So alleged crimes were committed. Capitol Police officers were standing and were arresting folks on the Capitol grounds. And then they were brought into booking. And then they write up a impact statement or a criminal uh, a referral right and then that is sent up to for approval by the general counsel meaning the senior lawyer of the capitol police and then once that is completed then the capitol police chief signs off on the criminal referral along with the evidence that's associated with that criminal referral well where is the capitol police general counsel and the Capitol Police Chief getting their evidence to be able to support the criminal package and referral that is sent over to the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. Well, they get it from different sources. One is the CCTV footage that doesn't have audio that uh, the Capitol Police owns. So then they take that, and then on top of that, they get what are known as impact statements from Capitol Police officers that were witnesses to the alleged crime. Now, if you really wanted to make sure that your political opponents received a 100% conviction rate and were charged at a higher level than what the actual reality of ev totality of evidence shows, how do you do that without being subject to scrutiny? Well, this is what would be done. You only take out the CCTV footage that you can basically take out for example if somebody's standing next to a capitol police officer and that capitol police and you and that person is yelling at the capitol police officer saying hey sir how can i help you i know some of the people that are around us do you need us to move in any direction what do you need us to do but because there's no audio on the cctv footage as the individual is yelling quote unquote 
at the Capitol Police officer. The Capitol Police officer that was in the vicinity of that, of that demonstrator is coerced into an impact statement by Yogananda Pittman, the acting Capitol Police chief, starting on January 8th through July 23rd of 2021. And she, at the direction of Nancy Pelosi, talks to that Capitol Police officer and says, hey, if you want to keep your job or if you have a demerit in your HR file and you want it off, or if you want to be promoted, you might want saying that that demonstrator was yelling at you and threatening you. And it's literally your word versus their word. Who do you think is going to win in that battle? Especially with the CCTV footage that we're adding on to your impact statement. Because it shows that the dude's yelling. And you're just saying what he was yelling at you for. And there are no MPD officers at that time in the vicinity that can deconstruct and discredit your statement. So if you want to get promoted, if you want to keep your job, then you write your little impact statement. Are these impact statements being done? I have probably the best source is, plural, that have told me that these impact statements are being done. But these officers are not going to come out because they're going to get crushed and they're basically were complicit, right? Now they're compromised because they did that. Now, you take that CCTV footage, only the parts where there was yelling or something that you could basically convey to a jury that it was, oh my gosh, it was the, the worst thing ever in the history of humanity. You match that with the U.S. Capitol Police impact statement, and then you present it to the general counsel of U.S. Capitol Police, Thomas Tobias. I'm going to throw in these names. He's still there, by the way. And then he signs off on that. And then from July, January 8th of 21 till July 23rd of 2021, if you were arrested, charged, criminalized, it was acting police chief Yogananda Pittman's little signature that was used to then go ahead and criminalize you to start the process for the U.S. Attorney's Office to go ahead and come get you. And then the U.S. Attorney, by the way, I'm not saying that they're clean, legit, but let's just say, let's make the assumption that the DOJ, U.S. Attorney's Office, and the FBI is fully above board, impartial, uh, and doing their job according to like the you know neutral to ju to justice, right? Let's just make that assumption. Even if they were doing that, they still are only receiving the incriminating evidence as it applies to every single J six defendant, because it's the Capitol Police that decides what they receives in terms in terms of evidence. Does that make sense, Joe? Yes. Um, how would a a defendant or their legal counsel be able to get a hold of the information to prove that? Thank you. That is the operative question. So a lot of these J6ers up to this point, as far as I know, have only focused their attention to say, hey, I need Brady material that's exculpatory to my case, and I'm only requesting that from the DOJ. Well, the DOJ doesn't have it. 
because they weren't provided it from the original source, which is the Article One branch of government, legislative branches, law enforcement entity known as the Capitol Police. And the Capitol Police Board is the only one that can authorize legitimately the release of any footage that they have, which they are the full owner of. Okay. So then how do we do that? Then the request needs to be made for the Capitol Police to release all footage. Well, has anybody made that request? The only entity that I know that has been going after the release, not, not access. Access is one thing. Release is number two. So let me just pause and focus on this part uh, specifically. You've heard and I've heard that you know, Joe Hanneman from Epoch Times, uh, John Solomon from Just the News, Julie Kelly, and I think... Uh, there's maybe a couple of others, right? Originally, yeah, it was Baker. Steve Baker. Now, uh, originally, it was Tucker Carlson. Well, I'm going to disclose something that I don't think I've mentioned yet publicly in the past. I've been, let's just say, communicating with the Oversight Subcommittee, House Administration Committee, House Committee that has oversight over the Capitol Police and the House elements of the Capitol Police Board. Okay. Since January, since before Mr. Congressman Loudermilk was appointed and selected as the chair of that subcommittee. Okay. Now, what have I done? I've requested on multiple occasions and they said, yeah, you can, all you need to do is request access and we'll give you access. This is January. We're now in September. And I was told that, yeah, we'll give you access. But when the leadership of the Capitol Police and the Capitol Police Board received my request, I ca you kind of probably know what the answer was. Well, it's kind of self-evident. I still don't have access to the videos. The question is, why? Well, I might be the one that knows where to look. Not only me, but the people that I would bring in with me already know where to look and what to assess in what locations of the Capitol to then scrutinize individuals from U.S. Capitol, the leadership of U.S. Capitol Police and the Capitol Police Board, and D.C. Metropolitan Police. I mean, look at it from their perspective. If you're the Capitol Police Chief or the General Counsel of the U.S. Capitol, and you have a guy asking for permission to look and scrutinize at all of your CCTV footage with the sole purpose of proving or disproving whether or not you manipulated the CCTV footage with sworn impact statements to go ahead and criminalize J6 defendants, doctor manipulate all that before you send it to the DOJ, thus exposing you, would you want to give him access? Rhetorical yeah, right. question. That's probably a big N.O. But nonetheless, like you said, poking the bear or whatever. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but that's kind of what I'm after. I, if I'm wrong and I look through the evidence and I'm proven to be wrong, I'll be the first one to come out, make a little press release and say, hey, I profusely just apologize. These people were on the up and up. Mike Pence is the best person in the history of humanity. Nancy Pelosi is up there with him. Everything that they've said is full stop true. The chief of Capitol Police, Thomas Major, is the Messiah. The general counsel, Thomas Tobias, is Messiah number two. And Yogananda Pittman is the most pristine, perfect uh, acting Capitol Police Chief during her interim period, and then before that when she was the head of Intel and Interagency Coordination Division 
I was wrong. She wasn't the one that coordinated the pipe bombs at the DNC and RNC. I was wrong that she was not the one that coordinated the interagency to instigate, facilitate, and foment the breach of the Capitol. I was wrong that all these people did not, in fact, facilitate the Fedsurrection. But I suspect that that's not true. I suspect that I'm probably onto something. They don't want me to, they want to slow roll people that know what to look for to not have access, but yet make it look like, oh, look at all these people getting access to the tapes so that they can just bog them up with time. And meanwhile, even if those individuals found stuff that is consistent with the Fedsurrection hypothesis, as they would like to call us, well, it requires approval for that to be released, whether it's to J6 defendants to be released or whether it's to um, news organizations. And so how does that approval look like? This is what most people don't understand. And I've confirmed this with, uh, let's just say, probably the best source is, plural, <laughs> that can provide this to me. So here's how it would look. And this is based on internal policies, right? So, and then tell me if you think it's out of any, anything out of the ordinary that you would expect from an organization such as a standalone law enforcement entity that has full jurisdiction over the Capitol uh, campus and the Capitol complex, right? So the request, you know, so the House Admin Committee gives access to these individuals. Material. You identify, oh, look at this. There's some evidence that. Real quick. There seems to be something going on with your connection. Every couple minutes or so, it like kicks you out and then brings you right back in. Um, yeah, usually I when I get into the like nice spicy new stuff, usually our deep state friends try to. I mean, it's like clockwork. They right. try to disrupt it. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know what to say other than we just got to work through it. And this is I mean, this is one of their other mechanisms of delaying uh, the legitimate information from getting out that would expose them. And this is how they buy time. And then they buy time to the next election and they cover up the previous and they cover up cover up. So let's, let's try to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. So actually, before we continue, let me close up all other potential disruptive apps and things in the background that could stop us from getting the message out. Just give me about five more seconds. Three, two, one. Well, oh, not yet. One more. Close all these apps. All right, there we go. Now I'm back. There cool. we go. So, say for example, Mr. Pianon, you're in there. You're grinding, looking at the terminals that the House admin just uh, gave you access to because Congressman Loudermilk, as of last Friday, came out with that memo basically saying, here are the parameters on us giving you access. And I, I'm hearing that Kevin McCarthy is claiming that, oh, look at me. I, I gave you access. So the different categories of people that can get access are J6 defendants, right, attorneys, and then some of these media outlets and then nonprofit organizations. So individuals like Ivan Raiklin. I'll have to do the request through another organization. And that is being, that's in the process of happening. And I'm sure they're going to deny it. But let's just say you as J6 defendant, Joseph Thomas, 
get access to the terminals. You are maximally allowed, what is it, three or four hours per day at a terminal and first come, first serve. So what does that mean? That means the 100, 200 people that request access after all these other outlets have already gotten it, right, for probably tens, dozens of hours, you are now competing with others to get access to what you really need. And you're probably not going to get to it because, you know, four hours a week, you know, maybe after a couple of decades, you might be able to get to, to what you're looking for, right? Even though you're you know ready, willing, and able to spend 20, 22 hours a day on weekends, et cetera, to start scrutinizing this stuff, okay? So that's one barrier that's being created for you. But let's just make the assumption that, boom, you found what you were looking for. And now you want to use that as your exculpate. This goes back to your original question. How do we get it? Okay, you found it. Oh my gosh, this is going to totally exonerate you. It's going to back up everything that you've been saying up to this point that you didn't conduct, you know, you didn't meet any of the elements of the alleged crimes that they went after you for. And the video proves it through the CCTV footage. You've identified the Capitol Police officer. And, you know, behind the scenes, you've talked to that Capitol Police officer and he's like, you know what? Sorry, bro. I'm going to keep my job. But you can use that CCTV footage. I'm not going to help you out here. So you take that CCTV footage, request for the release of it or the use of it in court. And where does it go? It goes through the general counsel of the Capitol Police, Thomas Tobias. Let's give a little context on him. His nickname is Tad Tobias. He used to work at the U.S. Attorney's Office. He's known as the Nobody Guy. On Twitter, you can find him as the Nobody Guy. Please follow and start scrutinizing him and you know, putting some lumens on him of light. So what, what else? So he's been at the Capitol Police. He's the most senior person at Capitol Police that is still in place, that was there on before January 6th, on January 6th, was involved in all the that was involved in all of the criminal referrals for every single J6 defendant, every one of them. But from January 8th until July 23rd, the Capitol Police chief that signed off on it with him was Yogananda Pittman. And then after July 23rd of 2021, it was Thomas Manger. Oh, so who's the second person that has to approve the release? Other than general counsel, it's the Capitol Police Chief, Thomas Manger. Well, let's take a look and see what, before we go on to him, I want to finish off on this Tad Tobias, the general counsel. Tad Tobias was the guy that not only signed off on those criminal referrals, but Yogananda Pittman, before she was elevated to be the acting police chief, was the head of intelligence and interagency coordination division. What does that mean? That means that she was there as in that role up to January 7th as IICD director. And then she returned back to that position after July 23rd of 2021. And what did she do? She and Julie Farnham, another name, her deputy, were the ones that compiled all of the social media content of those that Tad Tobias and Pittman had criminalized to scrub your social media. And if there was anything that was related to 
communications, meetings, etc., with the Freedom Caucus members and those that were going to object to the illegal 2020 election, I'm sure you were elevated in where they were going to place you on the criminalizations target list. And depending on the rhetoric that you used on your social media would depend would basically reflect how high up the chain and priority list that they would place you, even if you didn't have interactions with Freedom Caucus members, such as how vocal you were in support of President Trump, how close in proximity that they perceived you to be within the Trump circle. And so that's how they created their high-value target list, right? Wouldn't that be something normal that an intel shop would do? Didn't you read and hear about how the U.S. Capitol Police was creating a new intel capability that would look at social media posts and the interactions? Remember? You probably read. That was there. It's all out there. Okay. Yeah, I also know that they uh, created like playing cards, kind of like they gave the soldiers in Iraq uh, for who well, the high-value people were going to be. Well, that that's separate. So yeah, yeah. it's unclear whether or not those playing cards were created at U.S. Capitol Police Intel. That's something, and then transferred over to the FBI. Right now, the reporting that I've seen is that the FBI has created right those okay. playing cards. Now, did it was it initiated over at U.S. Capitol? Possibly. I just don't know. That's a that's a good point. Just thought of it right now. So that's going to be something that I'm going to drill down probably later today to find out whether or not that was the case. Good, good point. Now, so if, again, if it's the Intel and Interagency Coordination Division at Capitol Police that's teeing up these people, general counsel is signing off on it, and then this Yogananda Pittman for about six months is the acting head of Capitol Police, Chief of Capitol Police, and then after the midterm elections last November, when the Republicans got the majority, Immediately after that happens, what occurs? An agreement, a leave without pay agreement is written and signed off between the, at that time, the cap, the Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger, who's still the Capitol Police Chief, and Yogananda Pittman to keep her on leave without pay status until she reaches her retirement age of 50 on June of 20, earlier this year, June 2023. Meanwhile, she leaves and goes over to UC Berkeley to be head of police there. So she's bi-coastal on the books. No one expects her to come back because it's she to cut. They, they put her over. Am I, am I back? Yep. You're back. They put her over there to cover for her. Uh, and you know, in the backyard of Zoe Lofgren, who was the chair of the house admin committee, Democrat, and then uh, in the back, you know, in, in Nancy Pelosi's backyard district, right? So she's being protected over there. And then this agreement between Manger and Pittman is in place that was written up by the general counsel. How do I know this? Because during testimony a few weeks ago, during a bicameral hearing of the House Admin Committee and the, and the Senate Rules and Administration Committee, that's the committee in the Senate side that has oversight over the Capitol Police Board. The chief of Capitol Police, Manger, was questioned by Congresswoman Jody, uh, oh, excuse me, Congresswoman Bice of Oklahoma. And she asked him, can you give us a copy of that agreement that you had between you and Pittman? 
and what well, that what was that all about? Because it violated all protocol policies and procedures to put someone on leave without pay, knowing that they're not coming back. Just straight up raw dog criminal, right? Yeah, and he's like in the taxpayer money too, right? Double dip in Pittman, I think, is what they say. So anyway, he responds with, "Well, um, you already have a summary of that agreement." And then Congresswoman Bice asks, "Well, how about just give us the whole thing?" And Thomas Manger, in order to protect the Pelosi's and the Schumers and the Pittmans of the world, says, "Well, I'm going to have to consult with my general counsel." The very general counsel that is part of the cover-up crew for all the nefarious activity on January 6th of federal government actors. All of them, whether it's Capitol Police, Metropolitan Police, U.S. Attorneys, FBI, he is the epicenter of corruption. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but he is the one that needs to be questioned. So the question here is, the next question is, Okay, so if you need to request the release of the video footage that exonerates you, Mr. Joseph Thomas, after watching it on the terminals, you have to get permission from Tobias, the general counsel, and Manger. Let's go and scrutinize Thomas Manger and where his loyalties are. You tell me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out the facts, and then you basically tell me where his loyalties are. So Thomas Manger was... Uh, nominated basically July 23rd of 2021. And the way that a Capitol Police chief is confirmed is that he needs to get the majority vote of the Capitol Police Board to get that vote, meaning the Capitol Police Board consists of three voting members. And then the Capitol Police chief, once they're confirmed, becomes the fourth member of the Capitol Police Board, but is a non-voting member, just an advisory. So three people. The three people that are part of the Capitol Police Board are the House Sergeant at Arms, the Senate Sergeant at Arms, and the Architect of the Capitol. So on July 23rd of 2021, we had Bruce Blanton as the Architect of the Capitol, who was already leveraged and, uh, let's just say, um, compromised because they found, the Inspector General and Capitol Police found that he was using his command vehicle for personal use by his wife and kids. So his vote was already leveraged due to that blackmail on him, okay? Architect of the Capitol. But even if he was, by the way, Bruce Blanton was appointed by Trump and confirmed by the Senate. That's how you become an architect. You, you're, you're appointed by the President of the United States and confirmed by the United States Senate, meaning at the time it would have been when he was confirmed, this is this is the architect, one of the three members of the Capitol Police Board, it would have been President Trump and then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So, but he's got a little compromising stuff around him and he was later fired. So number two is the House Sergeant at Arms. Well, it was Nancy Pelosi's Sergeant it was Nancy Pelosi's sergeant at arms on July 23rd of 2021. That's one vote. And then it was Senate Majority Leader Schumer's sergeant at arms on July 23rd, 2021. Miss Gibson that also voted. So, if if Mitch, excuse me, if Chuck Schumer's like designate and Nancy Pelosi's designate 
are the two people voting on who the Capitol Police Chief is. And that Capitol Police Chief's wife is a uh, devout you know, Democrat in Monk, what is it? Montgomery County, Maryland, and had ran for school board there as a Democrat. Where do you think Mr. Thomas Manger's loyalties lie politically? Oh, yeah. Obviously, the opposite side of the aisle. What? You know, how many of them are you know still around? Because I know the sergeant at arms is uh, Nancy sergeant at arms has passed away. The architect got fired. And uh, I mean, I think the third one is still sticking around if my memory serves. But on top of that, the architect is included in every single January 6th case. Uh, they even have a predetermined fine that they allot to each January 6th defendant that goes directly to the, the capital architect. And so, so that's incentivization in itself. Let me clarify a couple things and, and, and add some context. So the Senate, it was the Senate sergeant at arms that was, some people say, oft. It's unclear because Senate. So the Senate Sergeant at Arms, Michael Stanger, on January 6th, who was, you know, uh, resigned, whatever you want to call it, on January 7th or 8th, it, he was Mitch McConnell's Senate Sergeant at Arms. Wouldn't you think that Senate, the Senate Majority Leader, would want to have a lying in state or some sort of ceremony for somebody of that, you know, caliber that was protecting you for many years? But yet there was nothing. There was not even a press release that he had passed away. To me, that's smoke and that's fire. Something's up, right? So that's still yet to be determined on how he was offed or died, etc. That's the Senate side. So he was replaced by later uh, uh, Miss Gibson, who is still the she's the Senate Sergeant at Arms now and the president of the Capitol Police Board. Oh, another thing is that she's the only confirmed member currently. The other two, the architect of the Capitol right now is acting after Kevin McCarthy. By the way, Kevin McCarthy stacked the deck in favor of Pelosi and Biden by firing Bruce Bret Brenton, the architect. Now I get it. He did something wrong, right? He basically used his command vehicle for personal use. And I think one mechanism... A more appropriate mechanism would have been, hey, you pay back the lost money based on the use of that vehicle. You also should be penalized financially. You know, there, there, there could have been an appropriate means in which to penalize and punish the architect and still keep him there. By Kevin McCarthy firing him, he literally took one vote of the three on the Capitol Police Board away and now after he became the speaker of the house he only has his sergeant at arms as one of the three voting members on the capitol police board and since he's not and since his own sergeant at arms mr bill mcfarland is not the a confirmed house sergeant at arms he doesn't have like a full vote so I, I give him like a half vote so you have a confirmed Senate Sergeant at Arms with one full vote on the Capitol Police Board. You have the House Sergeant at Arms that technically has one vote, but but they're not confirmed, so we'll call it a half vote. And then you have an acting architect of the Capitol with a half vote with loyalties to the other side. So it's one and a half to half. Had he kept Bruce Blanton in place as the architect,
one and a half Republican, one Democrat loyalty. And that would have changed the dynamic where guess who gets to decide on the release on the tapes? It's the Capitol Police Board at the direction of the political leadership of the bicameral legislature. So right now, who has all the leverage? Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And it's because Kevin McCarthy, he agreed to that. It's proven. He was the one that fired that the architect. So let me pause there. Does that answer your question on the release? On why Kevin McCarthy is not able to release the footage? Well, I think he it's only represents he only represents one of the three Capitol Police Board uh, leverage points, and he's not his sergeant at arms is not even confirmed. There you have it. As American as apple pie. As American as peanut butter and banana with a little bit of honey. Uh-huh. Based out of South Carolina, America first, American made, America grown, American harvested, no communist bees guaranteed. Makehoneygreatagain.com. It helps keep America's working. It makes freedom taste oh so sweet. Completely raw honey. Wildflower, not clover, because you don't need luck to find this good honey. Makehoneygreatagain.com. Give the Donald a squeeze. Why do I say that? Because the bottle looks like Donald J. Trump. Makehoneygreatagain.com. Use the promo code FREEDOM. Let them know that Pi sent you that little sweet deal that you're looking for to start your day, to brighten your day, and to maybe even make a pie for your leftist friend. Build some bridges. And then when they say, ooh, this pie tastes so great, show them the Donald Trump bottle. Collectors. And watch their head explode. Little love and unity, sweeten the deal to help build bridges with those that might not agree that the Orange Man is the sweetest deal to come in 2024. MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com, promo code FREEDOM. Yeah, and I do think it's by design. Um, in all actuality, the releasing of that footage um it, it would definitely help, but I don't think it's the the save all. To be honest, there's enough open source footage out there, and, and you know, so many people had cell phones, etc. Um, I think one big push that needs to be done is to compel the FBI to release the eleven thousand hours of undercover footage that they had um, that they don't want to release out of the potential of revealing the identities of potential uh, human sources as well as uh, the undercover officers in the crowd, but. You know, I, I know for a fact that many of those officers were actually taking place in a lot of the violence. Um, I've seen video, which I can't. Do you think exactly. that Christopher Ray Epps is going to just self-release all of that? No, not in a million years. That's why I think he needs to be compelled to do so. Um, they actually asked, and I, I know you know this, they asked for the, the footage and they, they won't give it out. Um, during the whistleblower committee, they had brought up that there's, you know, 11,000 hours of that footage in the um it was the Maryland field office, I believe, but Boston, yeah, Boston. So <clears throat> they, uh, you know, that, that footage alone would be able to prove a lot of the cases they're based on entrapment. Um, and it's bad enough that the government always pushes for uh, emotional eliminate for entrapment by estoppel. So the, 
Capitol Police opening doors or opening barriers is no longer a, a viable defense because the government won't allow it through. And their argument is that the Capitol Police did not have authorization to allow people into the building because of, of it being restricted, um, even though there was no. Uh, at least when I showed up at the Capitol, there was no there was signage. No, yeah, yeah. And by no the way, at Peter Navarro's trial, no, not Peter Navarro, Zachary Alam's trial yesterday. Capitol Police officer, uh, I think it was Thomas Lloyd, was asked, "Was there any?" It was either him or the following police off, uh, Capitol Police officer. They asked him, "Was there any signage up when you were?" No, it was the, it was the next guy when you were patrolling at eleven thirty when the when uh, you know the for, first outer breach with Ray Epps occurred. And he's like, no, there was it was just a gate up there and there was no signage. So there's kind of like a uh, under the pr protocol and procedures of U.S. Capitol Police, you have to give somebody a fair warning, either through signage and then verbal warning for them to even know and be aware that they're in a restricted zone. And I mean, you could argue those that basically took the barrier down or saw and perceived that the barrier was taken down uh, by extension. You could say, all right, those individuals would have been aware that they're entering a zone that is just restricted. But anybody after that, there's no expectation that anybody knew or should have known that they were in a restricted zone unless they were directed by a competent law enforcement authority, such as a U.S. Capitol Police officer, that they are in a restricted zone. And I suspect that 99, over 99% of those in that second wave and beyond second third whatever they were never warned until uh until basically they got up to that secondary what is it on the on the west side in those areas from my uh research and that's when obviously when there was a line of capitol police standing up there so in that interim i don't see how anybody that was in the mix there would have even known that they were violating any boundary whatsoever. Because on any other normal day in the uh, at the Capitol, like you can just almost literally walk up to the Capitol, hug right. it, kiss it, and be like on your merry way. Yeah, and there you know also were no dispersal orders put up over any type of PA yeah, system and that no LRADs, nothing like that. And right, we've so, shown that in court in my case that, you know, but they still found me guilty of trespassing, even though they did not satisfy the knowingly element of the statute. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still fighting that bit in court. So here's the problem is that so with this base, with this frame of the U.S. Capitol Police controlling the information that goes out to the DOJ for prosecution and on top of that the actors of Yogananda Pittman and Thomas Manger and Tad Tobias making sure that the entire paperwork trail supports the political objective to go after those that are specifically tied to as close as possible to Trump or through their rhetoric. And when you go, and this is a key thing that I would recommend you take, everybody take notes on. So go to the Wayback, go to the Wayback machine, type in USCP, dot gov okay and then go to january 29 2021 click on that and then with that date moving forward take a look at all of the weekly uh criminal reports that were listed on the website on the archives 
and then see what was the original charge for each individual. You might want to find your own. Actually, you know what? I might want to step through that with you. Uh, you want to do it right now? Yeah. Yeah, let me pull it up. Let's use this as a test case example. So as you're looking it up, so go to a Wayback, what is it, the Wayback Machine, do a search and then find the website. I think it's like waybackarchives.org or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I have a archive.org is just a Wayback Machine is just a kind of a colloquialism for it. Yeah, so take a look. Put in uscp.gov as your website that you're going to look into. And in that graph, you have – you see the years, the graphs up top? Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right, what is it now, uscp.gov? uscp.gov. It's a little slow, so click on the 2021 box there. Now go to January 29 with the green right there, and then click on, let's go to 1903. 1903. So, yeah, it's a little slow to pull it up. So while that's pulling up, basically what you're seeing here is we're going to go into the U.S. Capitol Police website. Oh, that's quick. Go into where it says Media Center in the top tabs. Just hover over that. And then click on Weekly Arrest Summary at the bottom. Perfect. So we're going to take a look at – it might take a minute because when I was going through this, it was it took about maybe 15, 20 seconds. There we go. Scroll down. And then go all the way to the bottom where it says January 7th to January 14th. So third from the bottom. Arrest summary 172114 PDF. And let's scroll through here. And let's take a look and see. Let's just go with the first one. Scroll down. And it says unlawful entry misdemeanor. And then the case number. Unlawful entry, misdemeanor, you know, and then basically a little bit of fact pattern behind it. That was the original arrest justification that was logged into the system before it was manipulated, curated, and upgraded based on political reasons. Okay? So that's probably the best articulation based on the eyewitness reporting of the Capitol Police officers on a demonstrator's activity that day that resulted in what they felt was the most appropriate charge. So that's the most, that, that I should say, that's the least manipulated version of what happened from the perspective of a law enforcement individual. So for J6 defendants, I would recommend taking a look and identifying which one of them is yours, obtaining every single file as it relates to your charge and case, find out who the Capitol Police officer was that logged it, your case number, all documentation related to it, all email flow. And I get it. There's no FOIA capability here. But by us demanding that it be released, 
if they have nothing to hide, then they release it. If there's something to hide, then they won't release it. And that's where we create more public pressure of court of public opinion to demand more be released, right? Because most people are going to agree that it, if, if you have something high, you won't release it. And then, then the demand increases. So we'd have to find out a way to identify based on those numbers. And the way that you find that out would be, hey, why don't you contact the general counsel, Thomas Tobias? Let's go ahead and share his contact information, folks. Oh, I don't know. If you go to the U.S. Capitol Police website and go to the Capitol Police and find, you know, if you can do a search on on a separate tab, who contact information for the general counsel, I would recommend that all J6 defendants and all J6 attorneys start to contact that office and find out everything and anything and everything available within U.S. Capitol Police holdings as it relates to your criminal charges. That is how you would obtain that. And then as you learn more about what they did with you, you then go and request access to the video footage potentially that was used in part of your criminal referral to confirm that the original video footage is exactly how they represented it to the Department of Justice. And if it wasn't exactly as represented to the Department of Justice, you have what's known as tampering of evidence. So take a look, Office of Inspector General. I'm looking through to see if I could. Uh... I mean, you could probably call that bottom. If you go to the bottom, scroll down to the bottom and go to that main number all the way to the bottom and just say, hey, 202-224-9806 and start there and say, hey, I want to get a hold of the general counsel, Thomas Tobias. Uh, please provide me his number. Now, having said that, I do have his personal cell phone. I won't do this. I won't dox it publicly. That's not appropriate. Uh, it might be his work cell phone, and that's something that I would uh, be I would consider providing on an individual basis. Should you reach out to me individually, and that that goes for anybody that's listening in on this, if you're not able to get a hold of him through public means, uh, I would consider providing that to an attorney. Yeah, there, 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 there's other ways to obtain it through paid platforms, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, not gonna uh, dox them. Definitely interested in seeing what my uh, what my initial arrest. Um, and, and the key thing there to the consider, is as, yeah, as you look into that, make sure you understand who was the Capitol Police Chief at the time as well. So if it was before, it was between January 8th and July 23rd of 2021, when your incident happened or the the criminal process. That's Yogananda Pittman. That's squarely yep. Yogananda Pittman. Yeah, and then if it's mind. afterwards, then it would be Thomas Manger. And that's where the scrutiny needs to continue forward. But having yeah. said that, Yogananda Pittman went back to her role as head of Intel and Interagency Coordination Division. So she would have been the one, if there was anybody that would have been lead in doctoring, manipulating, and only providing incriminating, inculpatory, if you will, evidence, it would have been from her shop, right? Yeah, my uh, 
my criminal complaint came out in May when my on my arrest is when they unsealed it. So it was twenty one before that. Yes, twenty one. Okay, so you already yeah you know yeah yeah that it was Pittman. I'm, I'm a Pittman apparently. <laughs> yeah, you're a product of Pittman's weaponization against American citizens. So, and just to kind of wrap all of it up, what people need to understand is the four key, the primary drivers behind all of this are. Schumer, Pelosi, the Capitol Police Board members that I mentioned, both voting and non-voting, the General Counsel of Capitol Police, the head of Internal and Interagency Coordination Division, Julie Farnham, the deputy, and then Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy made sure that literally the first thing that he would do was to fire his his first major act as the speaker of the house was to fire the architect of the capitol that was appointed by president trump that's the bottom line so that yeah. there would be no mechanism to release like th there would be no leverage to release the video to expose the Fed's direction on January 6th. That's probably the best, shortest way I could say it. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, him saying that he's going to release and then the Tucker Carlson video that they got put out about uh, Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, um, that was simply just to placate people that have been asking to, to get people to shut up. Say, Although, look, he actually is releasing it because. Right. If you look up the term it, limited hangout, it's literally just it's slow walking people into not going harder and more aggressive so that he can just buy time and stay a speaker and, you know, steal the country away from us with these spending bills and the uniparties budgets that increase the budget of the FBI of the DHS so that they censor us more and then intimidate us more. It's just disgusting. Anyway, I'll yeah. pause there. Ask away. No, no, you're good. I'm just kind of applied pivot tactics. Um, so, Obviously, getting this release is going to be uh, a, a miracle to be able to get the information that an individual defendant would need uh, for their cases. And um, especially because on top of the fact that they hold the, the monopoly on getting that information itself. Uh, they Let also me, I need to immunity. add to that. Totally. So one thing, another thing that I need to kind of drive home is. So we have the speaker. And then we have a committee that's the one that gives you access technically, right? Which is the House Administration Committee. And I talked about Loudermilk Subcommittee on Oversight. Now, in full disclosure, uh, his, that committee, that subcommittee, Congressman Loudermilk is, has been doing the right thing. Is he doing it as fast as I want him to do it? Not even close, right? Not even close. But is he moving in the right path? Yes. So I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Either A, he doesn't have the appetite to go faster or the courage, or B, I suspect more than likely, I could be wrong. B, it's because the committee, so the committee, <laughs> notice how it happens when I'm about to get to a really good point here. So he's the chair of the subcommittee and the chairman of the committee on house administration is chaired by a guy by the name of Brian Style. He's a congressman from Wisconsin's 1st Congressional District. For those that don't know what that means, 
that means he was the direct immediate replacement of Paul Ryan. Wisconsin's first congressional district was held by the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. The sergeant-at-arms for Paul Ryan when he was Speaker was the same sergeant-at-arms that Nancy Pelosi used. Uniparty much, folks? So, Paul Ryan's driver, body man, replacement congressman, is now the chairman of the House Admin Committee, the committee that has oversight over the Capitol Police. And by the way, Paul Ryan was the one that called uh, Mark Short, Mike Pence's chief of staff, to tell him, do not do anything that's going to help the objection process for a possible re-election of Trump on January 6th. And I suspect that that same Paul Ryan probably contacted Paul Irving and said, go ahead and do what Nancy Pelosi tells you to do as it relates to January 6th, and I'll provide you top cover from faux news and the Republican side of the China First Party, right? China First Republicans. So the chairman of the House Administration Committee, Brian Stile, I assess, is basically singing the song of what Paul Ryan and Rupert Murdoch over at Faux News want you to know about the story of January 6th. So he's there to slow roll maximally. So these are the internal dynamics that no other reporter is scrutinizing and looking into. And that is singularly all I've been focusing on with my Substack series, with my podcast, like everything that I've been talking about. And I know it's complicated. There's a lot of pieces there. It's, I mean, let's face it, like I'm a, look at my background professionally. It took somebody of my background and skills, uh, abilities to then be able to scrutinize these individual people to then draw out these relationships to come up with this web of what likely is occurring. And when I brief this to even staffers within the different committees that allow me to sit in front of them and disclose what I've exposed, they're like, oh, wow, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Even they didn't know a lot of this because some of them are, you know, they've been there a year, three, four years. They don't know all of these deep, deeper relationships. Yeah, the, the, the slow walking um, would definitely make sense. You put enough stone walls to be able to hold back that information because, I mean, you know, we say this all the time that this is a, a, a war on information. Um, what was the, the name of the the congressman that you had just mentioned that was that was doing the right thing? I, I I know him, but I'm just my brain Con just went blank. Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Yeah, is a Loudermilk. congressman from Georgia, and Roseanne Boylan was his constituent before Lila Morris murdered her. Right. So I was actually surprised to see that he was not at the uh, the congressional field meeting, whatever that Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Troy Nels, and and all them were were at. Um, do you have any idea as to why he did not? arrive to that because i mean you do look i do louder mick for or excuse me louder milk for um you know for the work that he has been doing on behalf of january 6th truth uh here's my assessment based on just internal discussions i never there was never a really direct answer but what matt gates and others that were there at that hearing are doing is that they they have a – it all comes down – everything comes down to money. So those that are out forward 
on the J6 question, most of their fundraising comes from the people. Take a look. Lauren Bober, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, right? I mean, Troy Nell's being there was definitely a big win for the J6 movement. And when he said Michael Byrd murdered Ashley Babbitt, that is a big statement for a member of Congress to make that is accurate with my understanding of it and probably yours of yep. what happened there. But for it to come from a member of Congress, that is that is moving the Overton window massively. So you have individuals that represent districts and are funded by the people. And so they're representing the interest in a sense, right? What the demands of their donor base is demanding, which is low, small dollar people donors. And then they're in they're in safe districts. So they can go hard, right, uh, on this subject, which most most of those other ones can't. In addition, they're not as leveraged and tethered to the big money that is behind making sure and wanting to drive out those that would expose the 2020 electoral steal. Because the big dollar donors were behind the electoral steal as well, right? So that's the big holistic component to it. Specifically, as it applies to Congressman Loudermilk and his role, uh, his demeanor, he's not a bomb throwing sort of right uh, aggressive congressman. But at the same time, he's my assessment. I, again, I could be wrong, is he's deliberately and methodically trying to get the evidence in a way that will not that will be much harder to poke holes at from the moderates within the party, the China first folks in the party, the super rhinos within the party. So in a sense, he's going down the path of uh, like a line of effort. I think it's appropriate because he's in the role that he is and he has to kind of thread that needle between what he actually knows and then conveying it in a manner that is palatable without exposing the Brian Stiles and the Paul Ryan's and the and the Kevin McCarthy's, so that still the truth comes out. So it's a, it's a more limited, less aggressive approach. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So like, I'm not defending him. In. I'm basically trying to justify why I think he's doing it the way he is. And that would make sense, you know, not to make too many waves because then that creates a, a target for more roadblocks. And I'm just trying to like assess the ra the rationality way. Yeah. yeah. And you're already dealing with the 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 stonewalling of um, the the Paul Ryan replacement. So, I mean, I can understand that, but it did surprise me to see that he wasn't there. So he's um, in that second tier, and he like he probably didn't want to get associated with the more what the rhinos call the bomb throwing wing, right? Right. Even though it's, I mean, you can be true and say it passionately. It's still true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'll so be real honest. Uh, MTG, she's she's losing a little bit of uh, a clout, in my opinion, simply because of how much she's been riding on the McCarthy coattails and, you know, pushing back on anybody trying to, to get, for example, the release of the footage or uh, to have any kind of headway made, which don't get me wrong, she does go and she did go and visit the guys in the jail she's been out loud and saying things about it but 
talk versus action is what people really want to see now. Um, you know, they would rather see action instead of just a bunch of rhetoric and photo ops. Yeah, but um, I actually had the chance to speak to MTG twice, uh, once at a Trump rally and then also at CPAC. And she gave me less than two words. One time she only just gave me a thumbs up and kept on walking. Um, but the other one, she gave me like three words and then just she didn't stop. She did nothing. She just kept on moving. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I, I definitely would like to see more from them, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth when they're out there actually saying stuff and bringing attention to it either. So, if, yeah, if I can add on that note, I'm glad you. So there, there you go again. <laughs> Come on, Fred. The Fed, let, let us speak. Let us speak. <clears throat> yeah, but go ahead. I think everybody knows where I stand with Kevin McCarthy. I'm not a fan, right? But I can be a fan if he does a massive amount of things that I can be like, all right, I still don't, you know, a, a lot of what he does is just garbage. But having said that, there's an opportunity to force him to do the right thing. When I say force, I, I'm saying in the most peaceful, patriotic, political use of leverage, right? Yeah. That's through court of public opinion, which... Again, the mainstream media and the censorship industrial complex allows them to survive because if we had a platform to discuss all this without being censored, our our rationale and argument would just win easily. Like just not. But since we have all these constraints in our uh, amidst us here, Marjorie Taylor Greene, as it applies to her support of Kevin McCarthy, uh, I think that was not correct because her argument was oh he's going to put me on committees this and that it's like hey marjorie it's like basically saying that kevin mccarthy is going to allow you to breathe and blink and eat meals during the day it's like it's not a thing you're going to do it regardless if you're a republican on like you're going to be appointed to places it's not that wasn't a thing now having said that there's two issues upon which i do support her and she's the best that we have in Congress or one of the best in Congress. So while I always say this, we want to move and motivate people up to just short of their breaking point, because if we break them, they are no longer in the fight and they're worthless. So keep that in mind as we're trying to convince, influence folks through our First Amendment, what should be the right thing to do. The first one is, as it applies to the J6ers, she sits on the oversight committee. That committee, which is chaired by Comer, is the committee that has home rule leverage over the D District of Columbia. And oh, by the way, the D.C. Gulag is in the District of Columbia. So yeah. if our at leveraging maximal political power as a member of Congress on the oversight committee I would doing be, I would be doing a press conference in front of the DC mayor, their office, and in front of the DC Gulag and saying, "Hey folks, we're not going to fund the District of Columbia in fiscal year 2024 and 2025 until you release the J6 defendants." Okay? Done. And if you and if members of the Republican conference don't want to agree to that, well, then Marjorie can go ahead and vacate the chair so that 
Congress no longer functions, meaning the House does no longer functions to even pass bills, thus creating the same impact. No federal funding for any governmental function for fiscal year 24 and fiscal year 25 until the next Congress comes into play on January 3rd of 2025. That is the maximum that can be done. Now, let's try to get her to do that. Let's try to get Matt Gates to do that, who's also in that top tier, right? And I suspect you're going to see, if you haven't seen it already, Matt Gates is moving in that direction. God bless him. Because <laughs> let's let's face it, with a one-person motion to vacate the chair, Matt Gates can li literally, or any person for that matter, can literally for the next, what is, we're in September, October, November, December, January, for the next 16 months, hold, all they do for the next 16 months is just vote on who the speaker is going to be. So imagine like eight votes a day or whatever day for the next 16 months just vote for a speaker and you no longer have a functioning house of representatives to basically put forth any bills so guess who gets defunded dhs doj the u.s attorneys the fbi the dod mandate scheme the abortion scheme right you get yeah. where i'm going with this yeah, it also would affect veterans, but I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of vets would uh, take that on the chin to make effective change um, here. Yeah, so I'd be willing to do it. Oh, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the number one thing. So she's, I mean, she's in the fight appropriate, like she's way better than most of the members, right? Now, I would like to ask the question of if, if anybody has an audience with Marjorie, because she she refuses to engage with me anymore uh, since January, right after January 6th. Nothing. I, I'm at events regularly where we cross paths. And I like to be cordial, professional. I get it. I don't agree with her on her support of Kevin McCarthy. But that's that issue. I agree with her 100% on her stance as it relates to her push and what she's doing on January 6th. And as it applies to COVID, full stop. Those are two areas. Those are the only two areas that I want to engage with her on because the other ones is just going to waste both of our time because she's already you know, put the line in the sand on certain issues there. And I, I mean, people know where I stand. Great. I don't have time. She doesn't have time. But I think she is the best suited in our fight against the whole COVID, the CCP-19 tyranny which transitions over to what you wanted to play at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we're getting sure that <laughs> this, is a, this is a moment that I absolutely love. Um, you had a chance to uh, speak truth to power and I love how you approached it. You came in real cordial and polite and she thought you were going to be kissing her butt <laughs> and then just threw a bomb at her. So check this out, folks. Hey, Dr. Walensky, Ivan Raiklin, I really look forward to you testifying about your involvement in murdering 38,000 Americans due to the jab.
Yeah. Absolutely priceless. Priceless. No, I think that, yeah, that went pretty viral because just on my Twitter alone, that, that cleared a million. And then I think I got, I mean, I had Alex Jones, Stu Peters. I mean, some big names just reaching out. Hey, you're coming on my show, man. I'm like, all right, I'll do as many as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I look at it this way, right? Like you, like you teed it up. I always, if you've noticed, right? I try to, as much as I can, when I engage with these scum, I need it. It needs to be done in a professional, like this is my style. Appropriate venue, number one. Professionally, peacefully, morally, ethically, like legally, right? That whole construct. Because when you have the total moral high ground in the context of what you're doing, you're able to go so much harder with the calm rhetoric that you convey so that it draws in, I think, a bigger crowd. Because if you're losing your cool, people don't take you as seriously, right? If you are doing it in a way that physically looks intimidating, you know, and knowing my background, particularly if it's a, you know, a petite woman such as Dr. Walensky, it's so inappropriate for a man, even though I'm, you know, people call me a midget, God, I'm like three foot eight, right? <laughs> it's still, there's that dynamic, right? There's still that normal expected range within the uh, standard deviation of norm. And if you maintain that level, I think you can get your voice out at a much you know, exponential. I did. That's why I did that with, you know, with her and, you know, I confronted uh, Chris, you know, FBI director, Christopher Ray Epps. And I said, sir. And I even you know, threw in a little bit of a, a hesitation in there uh and said sir can you please stop violating our first fourth and fifth amendment rights please like when are you going to stop yeah I, I get it it sounds submissive it sounds weak uh maybe for some people but is it i'm doing that to get their attention so that they actually hear it and you know they heard it because if right. you start bomb throwing at them one you're risking their security detail blocking it so then the message isn't conveyed, right? Or it gets the U.S. Capitol Police. Because at the end of the day, they, they want to throw me out, right? I'm sure all of them want to throw me out. But I'm not doing anything to get them to do so, right? So just something to consider. Uh, you drive your message home in, in a way that it, you know, you garner their attention and you uh, diffuse any defenses that they have. And then... Uh, hit the home runs. I absolutely love it. Um. Amazon, Amazon, everybody buys things off of Amazon and then they give their money to China or they give money to leftist, communist, Marxist programs. They support what we despise. So vote with your dollar, folks. Stop going to Amazon. I know there's nothing out there that is going to help America first, small businesses, especially those that are veteran owned and is a good enough competitor to Amazon to make it worth your time. You are wrong. MammothNation.com, frontline competitor to Amazon. Everything that they handle is strictly vetted to make sure those companies are America first. And they focus a lot on veteran owned small businesses. You can get everything that you're basket of deplorables may need to be filled with get whatever your patriotic heart desires and they are offering a wonderful 30 percent discount 
so you can help and vote with your dollar get the things that you want the things that you need and tell amazon where they can stick it mammothnation.com get a 30 percent discount by using the promo code of freedom j6 that's freedom the letter j the number six tell them pi sent you mammothnation.com promo code freedom j6 and start focusing on america first and telling china to get out of our pocket and tell amazon where they can go next You know, I've been following you for a while and you know this, you know, we've met, um, I actually interviewed you a couple of different times on the show. I met you at a uh, first time in person at the Mannheim uh, Reawaken America tour, Mannheim PA. Right, right. And, uh, you know, we, we have a mutual friend in Mel Holly and, uh, you know, I, I certainly appreciate everything that you've been doing and the, the information that you're bringing out in all your investigations with January 6th. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that eventually things will come into the fruition where we'll be able to actually make um this intelligence become actionable you know it i, I is, think that the the big takeaway i think is the laser focus of all j6 defendants needs to be on the general counsel at u.s capitol police and obtaining any and all documentation related to your charges and then stepping it through chronologically and that chain of custody of everything evidence and documentation up to the point where you're sitting at today, which means like there's this whole category of information before it hit the DOJ that right. America's blinded. You can't FOIA it. There's no release of the tapes. You can access it now through a slow, slow roll. But I think if every person in the country realizes who the names Thomas Tobias, General Counsel U.S. Capitol Police is, Thomas Manger, U.S. Capitol Police Chief, who's covering up for the previous acting Capitol Police Chief, who was all collectively acting for the political objectives of Pelosi and Schumer. When the country realizes that through either a Rogan or a Tucker, I think the necessary scrutiny and pressure can be applied, even though that Capitol Police Board is so, you know, it's it's 1.5 to 0.5, like I said before not in our favor i think the people pressure adds that 1.5 you know makes it 1.5 to 1.5 and maybe even better when everybody knows the inside game on how this was done so uh you mentioned farnham earlier that was her name right julie um, farnham julie yes I, I was thinking a different name but <clears throat> excuse me at first um and she's on twitter she's going to be writing her little book that's going to come out in January. Yeah. So, uh, Tarek Johnson, the, uh, uh, Capitol police that had come out, you know, and, and yelling out about, uh, Yogananda Pittman. And he's, he's pointed some fingers at, uh, Julie Farnham. What kind of insight, um, into her involvement would you be able to give? So I would say this, if you want to know more insider baseball, as it comes out related to Capitol Police stuff, you have to follow Tarek Johnson and you have to follow Chief Sun. Okay. Those are the two most consequential accounts on Twitter that you need to follow. Now, Tarek's on there engaging regularly. So you can kind of real time see what it, what's going on. And uh, he's, sitting on, he's sitting on so much more information. He can disclose. He's trying to create the. So <laughs> he's sitting on. Tarek Johnson is sitting on a lot more information than he's he's put out so far, and it's or, in order to protect and, and 
be able to be in a position for some of these whistleblowers that are still on the inside to have the courage to come out and speak in the appropriate venue, possibly through Loudermilk staff, possibly through some other committees. So in order to protect them to be able to get stuff out, I mean, it's slow rolling things, but at the same time, like you can't force people, right? You have to, you have to push them almost to breaking point is basically the whole right. adage. His account will give you more insight than I can and his knowledge. And then chief Sund does not regularly post, but when he does, you, you better watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely I definitely keep an eye on both of those. Um, I've reached out to Tark a couple of times to try to get him on the show because I want to pick his brain um, on a few different and, aspects. Yeah. And I think I've talked to both enough times to understand where, where, you know, their line of thinking. And the best video that I would recommend is obviously watch Chief Sun's interview with yeah. with Tucker Carlson. Uh, he <clears throat> he his messaging is very and I agree with it based on where he was and his role. He's trying to make sure that his rhetoric is always moderated, even keel, professional. So I was actually surprised when he exhibited uh, the level of anger and emotion. But it was basically uh, it was emotion of a leader that, hey, you're messing with my guys. Right. And what what Chief Sun and Tarek Johnson know in the collective. Let's just say my. All of the assessments that I've put out, you can assume that I've bounced it off of both of them. That's probably the first time I've said that. You can assume that everything that I put out, if I'm not 100% on it, I bounced it off of them. I'm not saying I did. I'm saying you can assume that. Right. <laughs> well, you know, um, I can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing is uh, I know you're going to be going to um, what is it Orlando? No, Miami for the reawaken America tour in October. Yeah. Um, so if and, anybody wants to come visit or see me face to face, get some more like that are J sixers. Oh, by the way, if you're a J sixer and you happen to stumble across me at an event, start off with that. I'm so-and-so I'm a J sixer. And you can almost guarantee that I'm going to stop everything I'm doing, pull you aside, and be ready to talk, okay, <laughs> so that we can figure things out. So next, what is it, September, let me look at the calendar. 16th, I'm going to be up in New Hampshire at some of uh, Catholics or Catholics, I think. September 17th, I'm going to be at an event in Rhode Island with General Flynn. September 18th, there's an event in Rhode Island again, I believe, with General Flynn. I'm not sure if that's public yet. There's a, an event in September 23rd in Wisconsin. Uh, the commies are trying to block it from happening. I just heard some message traffic today. The, the host is being intimidated. I'm going to have to call the host to make sure that they have the, the courage to move forward. Uh, 23rd in Wisconsin. 20, or 30th, I'll be in Miami for an event. And then after that, in October, I think the 13th is Doral, and then another event in Wisconsin on the 14th. So I won't be, I'll be speaking at the on Friday, at the reawaken right after uh, Eric Trump and General Flynn. And then I guess the I won't, so I won't be there the full weekend. So if you want to interact, engage Friday, and 
I'll probably end up leaving Saturday morning. And that's pretty much what's going on for the next few weeks. I'm trying, man. I'm, I'm doing my best. No, no, you're a you're a busy man. You got your you got yourself out front, and it's uh it's awesome what you're doing. Um, I know you see it scrolling across the bottom. Uh, there's his link, folks, with uh, his Telegram room as well as. Uh, I actually have the wrong. I just now realized that. Yeah. So see for you if you're, yeah, if you're a uh, if you're a J Sixer, and you want to, uh, so if you're a J Sixer, I give you free access to my my uh, Substack. So yep. if you want access to all the paid stuff in my sub stack, just say, hey, I'm so-and-so, J6er. I'll take a look, make sure you are, and then I'll give you the free access to everything. If you're not, that's how I basically am able to move around. So if you're not a J6er, yep. that's kind of your way of contributing to keep this thing rolling. And I, I can definitely attest to that. Uh, you gave me access uh, whenever I'd ask you. I'll let you know, hey, I'm J6er. I'd like to have that, especially because I was researching the, the 1512 to try to use it. Uh, the the non the no quorum aspect uh, in my defense for my trial, and I certainly appreciate uh, that service that you're giving out to everybody that's involved in this fight. You know, it makes a difference. The more information that we can gather, and and all of your information is uh, is sourced and solid. You know, as we say, you bring the sauce, and uh, you know that is commendable because too many people like to speculate and lay a conjecture. When somebody's life is on the line to sit in a federal courtroom. You need to know that uh, you need to know that your gear is going to work, and so it is very much appreciated. Everything that you're bringing, is there uh, any any other juicy tidbits you want to bring us today? Any any last words, sir? Yeah, uh, 8 p.m. tonight. Um, Gateway Pundit is going to be hosting a Twitter Space. Enrique Tario is going to be calling in. Oh, I wonderful. think uh, National File is going to be in on that. I'm um, hearing that Stu Peters is going to jump in. Uh, maybe Laurel Loomer. So there's going to be, uh, I'm going to obviously jump in there. I think that is, what's today? Yeah, today, tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to jump in there, let people know. Uh, I was I was talking to Kara Castronova last night. She's putting that together. And it's, it's, it's tough because everybody's so busy. It, like imagine, you know, as a J6er, so much detail about all this stuff plus you've been following me look how long it took me to explain to you the whole capital police board construct and all these relationships so if we can start to get people to understand that i think that is a crucial component to unraveling the entrapment and then potentially starting to later on through appeals throwing out these cases based on the shenanigans that were conducted by the very capital not the not the capital police line officers right right yeah i mean some of the line officers i get it there was excessive use of force. Don't get me wrong. But the people that are protecting those people that committed the excessive use of force and then instead criminalizing folks that just literally just trespassed sometimes without even knowing they trespassed are the Yogananda Pittmans, Thomas Manger, and Tad Tobiases of the world. That's who we need to target our, our attention on. Amen. I certainly am going to be doing some digging. You, uh, you opened up my eyes to something that I'm, I'm going to be – Title two U.S. Code. Yeah. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Amen. Chapter twenty nine. I think Title two yeah. U.S. Code. Chapter twenty nine. Just study it, memorize it, and you'll see the jurisdiction zones that they have. And I, mean, I basically walked in, and when I talked to some of these insiders, uh, that's why they they talked to me because they're like, "Oh wow, you've looked at this. You know your stuff." And I'm like, "As long as you give me an audience, I'll I'll give you everything I got." 
and hopefully yeah, and you we have, can motivate them to continue to expose the truth. You have, you know, evidence tampering, you have witness tampering, you have entrapment. And then on top of that, you have the Brady violations, Jenks violations, and all of this on top of the, the stonewalling and the slow walking and then the immunity aspects we got to fight against, you know, the, the fight for January 6th defense is, uh, is a difficult one. You know, I know my audience knows this wholeheartedly. The struggle is real. And last thing you just reminded me about the Brady violations. So this is what I need to study because I'm not clear on my understanding of Brady. It is, it's been litigated that it all, that it applies to the executive branch, right? So exculpatory material that the executive branch, well, if the, like we just talked about, if the executive branch does not own the material and doesn't, well, then <laughs> you get how these little things come out at the certain points of time. Well, that Brady material that we're seeking, technically, it, it's not coming from the executive branch. It's from the legislative branch. And right. it's almost as though it's they're immune from any sort of release. And it would take a judge to basically say, you know what, separation of powers, whatever. We're going to compel Congress and the U.S. Capitol Police to release that footage. And the only entity that's doing that is Tom Fitton's Judicial Watch. So yes. I would I would keep a very close eye on the progression of that case. And I was out of town at, in Vegas for the reawaken. Otherwise, I think it was somewhere I was out of town. Otherwise, I would have attended that trial. And I, if anybody knows who the attorneys of record, I'll take a look for that, tri- for that case is on behalf of Judicial Watch Tom Fitton. Uh, I would love to compare notes and provide them everything I have. There's a lot more like nuanced lawyering that I think they need to be aware of that could help potentially if they can get a win on that, that would be massive, but I don't think they will. Well, one can hope and pray. And I know Tom Fitton does a a lot of heavy lifting, um, especially in the the January 6th fight and doing FOIA requests and, uh, but you know, of course, he is uh, slated towards. Well, they can't. Yeah, they can't FOIA. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why he has to litigate it. Right. right. But that yeah. litigation needs to be. It needs. There needs to be a concurrent line of effort of. You're going to play it in the court of, uh, in the judiciary through that litigation, but there's that public pressure campaign that needs to, be parallel with that, and that's kind of what I'm focused on, which is right. hey. You need to, the country to know and the jury pool, because let's face it, over the last two and a half years, through the manipulated release of the CCTV footage, coupled with the J6 committee that used that manipulated footage to basically showcase through 10 hearings through the whole world, uncensored on C-SPAN, using government resources to basically campaign against Trump and campaign for their narrative, they they manipulated and poisoned the entire jury pool in D.C., yeah. In addition to the already doctored evidence to get a hundred percent conviction rate practically. So we have to unravel all of that in the court of public opinion through podcasts like this and through education and then through litigation. The litigation only wins after we educate the jury pool and the judges. Cause by the way, the judges are susceptible to all this manipulated, yep. uh, censored content. It is the same sources. That is very apparent in the court, you know, in court cases, you sit in the courtrooms and hear the bias just ooze out of them almost as if they're just reciting and parroting uh, CNN talking points. Um, yep. You know, there's there's very few judges that I've witnessed um, that are fair and balanced in this aspect. And I do have to give credit my judge um, whenever it was uh, Dabney Friedrich. Whenever I walked into the courtroom, she was extremely hostile. And then after the first day of trial, her, she changed her entire tune and it became uh, a lot more fair and balanced to the point where she was actually arguing against the government on my behalf 
Uh, she awarded me mistrial on two charges um, at the end of, of my verdict uh, without even my defense having to ask um, simply because, you know, the, they could not come up with a conclusion. Uh, the jury could not come up to a unanimous consensus and the government said, well, we need to compel them to go back and deliberate more. She was like, no, they've been at it for four days. You haven't proven your case um, and in a few other things. And then she goes, but I'm sure Mr. Thomas's defense is going to request a mistrial. Isn't that right? And my attorneys are like, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to. Yeah. What, what, what she said. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And they, you know, she said, good, because I'm going to grant it. And so they, they ended up dismissing those charges for mistrial. Um, which one was an alleged assault where she herself said that um, it's not assault because I had the right to defend myself and to defend someone else against unlawful lethal force. Uh, and then the other one was like a disruptive conduct, disorderly conduct with the intent to interrupt government business. And uh, it was because the jury couldn't decide if the police removing people from Capitol grounds was considered official government business. Um, and she said there was no benefit to the public to to try to pursue that charge because it's not even a half a point so you know i, I got to give credit where credit is due and i know a lot of folks will rail against these judges about how unfair and how biased they are and i, I felt <laughs> you got I lucky crazy. yeah but uh after after uh after the first day she she changed her tune and actually was was doing really good and i i i personally think that she was disappointed to hear the guilty verdicts come from the jury um, out of the ones that they did convict me of. So out of 12, I was convicted of seven, but five were either dismissed by mistrial or found not guilty. And the not guilties are huge because there was the two specific charges of violence I was found not guilty of. And then also the 1512 uh, obstruction charge I was found not guilty of. So massive win, in my opinion. So what but, did they get you on? Um, they got me for civil disorder. Um, four counts of impeding officers, right? So I know you know that the full statute is assaulting, um, obstructing, interfering, or impeding, but since I was found not guilty of violence, the assault element disappears out of the statute. So four charges of impeding officers, and then they got me for uh, misdemeanor trespassing, the entering and remaining capital grounds, and then uh, disorderly and disruptive conduct, basically because I was loud. Um, but the government's asking for 10 and a half years. They hit me with 30 points of enhancements, and most of those points are based on the charges I was acquitted of, obstruction and violence. Fun times. So <clears throat> when is your next – when is the uh, – October 11th will be my October sentencing. October 11th sentencing. Yeah, so we put in a Rule 29, Rule 33, I Rule would... 34, asking her to overturn some of the guilty verdicts because the government did not uh, – prove the elements necessary on some of those charges I was convicted of. Easiest one to explain is the knowingly aspect of the trespassing because there was no signage, no dispersal orders, no announcements. Um, you know, I, I complied with their orders. I never tried to like push through the police line. I actually was taking weapons away from people in the crowd that were being idiots and instigating. Um, I protected a police officer from getting hit from a flagpole. Hey, pull, pull that transcript from yesterday's, uh, uh, what is it? Zach Alam testimony of the Capitol police officer. He said that, you know, clearly he testified that there was no signage. And I think that okay. might carry some weight because it's coming. Yeah, from we, we, we already I, I don't know. With the evidence that we presented, we, in every video, every picture we ever shown, it was. Yeah, but video is one thing. Testimony of a U.S. Capitol police officer that was there at 1130, yeah. or excuse me, oh, at yeah. 12, 1230. I think that carries more weight. Yeah, okay. 
Because I haven't, I hadn't heard that before of any Capitol Police officer specifically saying that up until, I mean, it may have happened, but that's one that I know for sure where he said that I was in the courtroom. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely see if we can get that pulled. There I was no signage. Take, yeah. They take a long time to produce these transcripts. I actually am just able to start ordering mine today. Um, and my trial ended in June. Uh, the government didn't actually order the daily transcripts. So we had to order them our own on, ourselves and, you know, come up with the funding of like five bucks a page or some craziness. Uh, my trial was three weeks long. So you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, would, I would identify every, again, you have to identify every single human being that was involved in your criminal prosecution from Capitol Police officer that wrote the original charge, everybody in the Capitol Police, Capitol Police Board, any influence, manipulation, emails, discussions, text messages, phone calls on elevating you, whether it, and then all the way up to Pelosi and Schumer, right? Kevin McCarthy, Farnham, right? Pittman, all these people. And then when it go went over to the DOJ, one way of being able, I think, to pierce that <clears throat> would be, please provide us all communications between you and the Capitol Police Board and anybody in the Capitol Police, because you can FOIA the executive branch component of it. Right. So if they were communicating, you can't quite get the internal stuff within Capitol, but any communications that were had between U.S. Attorney's Office, FBI, FBI DOJ with Tad Tobias. As we start to FOIA all that, I think we're going to start to get to uh, seeing him squirm. A boy can dream, sir. A boy can dream. <laughs> and, all right. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on this long. Send me the link when this is airing. I think I shared it on my personal stuff, too. Uh, yep. Let's get this out there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it directly to a lot of folks that need to hear this part so i don't have to repeat myself for yeah for sure and I'll, times I'll, I'll clip it out and try to uh take out all the pieces where fred the fed cut you off um but i i did actually drop the the live link in your uh telegram chat and Perfect. um so yeah yeah we're we're live at the moment and um, as soon as it's you know it processes on rumble after after we cut off the broadcast um i mean it, it'll still be the same link everything stays the same so if you want to spread that out or give it to folks to to help them in this endeavor, then by all means, share away. I'm not okay. one of those guys that says what I put online is mine. I put it out here to make it public and y'all can use it. Feel free to make memes out of me. I don't care. Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to, to fight for truth and to put it out there and you know be a voice as long as I can until they bury me under the prison. And then even then my voice will echo through the halls and haunt these call me bastards in their sleep. I like that. Yeah. All right, Joseph. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Absolute fire starter in this movement and uh, deeply appreciated. Um, it looks as if my second guest is not going to be uh, going to be able to make it. So I want to play a quick video of Ivan um, talking about Jordan Jordan. I propose that on Wednesday, you as the chair of the Judiciary Committee, as soon as Christopher Ray steps foot into your committee, you need to look over to the U.S. Capitol Police and then demand that they immediately arrest him. Contact the Sergeant at Arms McFarlane to go ahead and make a makeshift prison cell for Christopher Ray because he has in the past and before he even walks in to testify, he's already violated Section 1001 by lying about Ray Epps 
and everything involving January 6th, as well as many other topics related to the illegal spying and cover-up of the illegal spying on the Trump campaign, along with his surrogates, Brian Otten, Joe Pienka III, Elvis Chan, Jim Baker, I mean, the list goes on, and previous FBI employees that he's provided cover for, Andy McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Catherine Seaman, Andrew Weissman, and Robert Mueller. So with that being said, God bless you all. Thank you very much for uh, coming and showing support and standing by our January 6th defendants, the families, the inmates, all of the victims of this commie takeover of our nation. Um, give Ivan a follow. Show him some love and support. He's uh, definitely a solid guy. He's a character. He's got some fire behind him. Uh, meeting him in person is, I don't want to say interesting because that sounds demeaning, but it's not. It's like he's just, he captivates the, the room the moment he walks in. And uh, he he definitely has no problem uh, trolling the people that are out here to destroy us. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, and we need more folks like him in our movement. We need more folks like you in our movement. So share, like, subscribe, push the buttons, do the things. And remember, the Brandon administration ain't got nothing on we the people because we're Americans. And it's going to stay that way because of you. Later, folks. I want to encourage everybody to sing the anthem. We do the Sing for Freedom campaign and have been pushing it for two years. Hashtag sing the number four freedom. It helps revitalize patriotism. It shows the families and the inmates and defendants of January 6th that you stand in solidarity with them, that you don't agree with the injustices that are being pushed upon them by the federal government, like periodic beatings, macings, destruction of their lives, the taking of their homes, simply for being peaceful. It also brings awareness to the suffering that they go through, to get more eyes, hearts, minds, and voices involved. And for those that don't know, you might ask, well, what, what is Sing for Freedom? The inmates inside the jail sing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m. Eastern from their cells, behind steel doors. And when we heard that, we pushed it out into the public and said, get involved, let's stand and sing with them. So we do, every single night, thousands of patriots across the country stand in solidarity with American citizens that have not been to trial, have not been convicted of any crime, even though they sit in prison for two years in the most abhorrent conditions. And this isn't just for those that are locked up. This is also for the inmates that have been sentenced who lost their due process rights. This is also for the defendants that are sitting at home on electronic confinement. This is for any of those that are persecuted, prosecuted, and discriminated against because they dared to speak up and say, we love this nation. I also want you to visit the website. Sing the number four freedom.us. Singforfreedom.us is a central hub where you can find everything and anything you need to get involved and help out. If you want to donate to their Give Send Goes to help their families and their fundraisers, it's there and it goes directly to them. No middleman. Nobody's here to get a profit. But it goes help them save their homes, help them get lawyers, help them get what they need to stand up against this tyranny. And you can also find groups that get involved and do tons and tons of things for 
the January 6th defendants, inmates, and their families. Things that many people might not think of, like getting them phone cards so that they can speak to their families and loved ones. Getting them commissary on their books because they don't get enough food. Legal defense. Research funds. People out here, boots on the ground, getting involved. So check them out. Get involved and speak up. You can also send a voice message for this podcast and we'll broadcast you live so that everybody can hear it and the families can share in your love of nation as well. Oh, say can you see by the dawn? Hey.